0: I just want to start the flame in your heart.
1: Welcome everyone to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. Today is New Year's Eve. And for those of you that have been listening to me, uh, this is the third New Year's Eve episode that I have going on. And usually it's a prelude uh, to New Year's Day episode. And that's because uh, during this time, we get to um, have a recap of what actually occurred throughout the year, what was anticipated, and allow us to see it in review. Now I don't know if any of you have listened to my 2019, um, 2018 New Year's Eve, 2019 New Year's Day, 2019 New Year's Eve, 2020 New Year's Day, but they're quite interesting and very telling. So hopefully uh, today's episode will give you some insight. And um, today. We're going to talk about something called disappointment. (laughs) Um, A lot of people hate that word, disappointment. Uh, Because what we are seeing globally is disappointment. But disappointment in who is the question. Before we get there, before we get there, I want us to take a listen to Emerald Robinson. She is a force to be reckoned with in the news. Maybe I'm biased because I really like her. Maybe it's just because she just spits out straight truth. I'd like you to be the judge of that. So take a listen to what she has to say.
2: Tonight, I'm Emerald Robinson. I'm in for Rob this week. Tonight, we will be talking about America as it stands right now, which means we'll be talking about the post-election chaos, Everything is confused right now, and everyone seems confused. Most of, all of our, most of all our politicians, the people who we voted to represent us, don't seem to know who they represent anymore. Maybe it's the Sudan or Burma. I mean, after all, both of those remote countries got big money from Congress last week. Most of our elected officials seem to represent China now, at least unofficially. But it definitely isn't us. Americans hardly have any representatives at all in government. You can see this most clearly in the COVID relief bill that Congress tried to pass last week. While Americans were getting $600, Burma was getting $135 million. Sudan got 700 million and Pakistan got 15 million. The list goes on and on. This wasn't a Democrat or a Republican boondoggle. This bill had broad bipartisan support. In other words, both parties wanted to give $700 billion to remote foreign countries that most of us have never visited. While giving Americans a mirror, $170 billion. You can say there's nothing new about this. Congress is always wasting our money. But there is something new. There was a very messy and very public breakup between the GOP and President Trump over all this. And that's what I want to focus on tonight. The average Republican voter is just waking up to the harsh reality that the GOP and President Trump don't really agree about anything. It's not a marriage anymore. It's not even dating. It's now almost an abusive relationship. The president yesterday accused his own party of having a death wish. Trump played the part of the loyal spouse publicly supporting total buffoons like Mitt Romney and Ben Sass in the last four years, while the GOP went around town sleeping with big tech lobbyists and Chamber of Commerce flops. You can see this most clearly with the Georgia runoff elections, where Trump has publicly called out Republican Governor Brian Kemp and other elected officials, while Mitch McConnell and the GOP establishment have remained totally silent. Listen to the president during uh, the latest Georgia rally earlier this month.
3: And for whatever reason, your secretary of state and your governor are afraid of Stacey Abrams. They're afraid of.
2: Or take the the last two major votes in Congress, the NDAA and the COVID relief bill, where the Republican Party simply abandoned President Trump in both cases. This has caused total confusion amongst Republican voters. The average Republican voter is now like the kid in an ugly custody dispute. Trump tried to keep the family together for the sake of the country, but Mitch McConnell and Mitt Romney had other ideas. They think you can't wait to vote for Nikki Haley or Chris Christie in 2024.
4: idea to think that any state or any number of states, no matter how good they are, um, can challenge another state's uh, right to run the election as they see fit. Uh, And also there's no evidence as we, as I've been saying since election night, um, show us the evidence and and what's gotten even worse though, Martha, I think is, is the attacks by the president on good, hardworking, decent Republican governors.
1: Let me just stop it right here. So how many of you are actually excited to vote someone in like Nikki Haley or Chris Christie or Mitt Romney, or any of them today. None. So who's telling them that they have the opportunity to do so? The same freaking people that told Biden that he's president-elect. Not you. powers that be. The powers that get over $700 billion of our money, of your money, and the debt your grandkids will have, because we're going to be paying that off forever, (laughs) right? They're the ones telling them, not you you get crumbs the rest of the world gets gold we fund the whole world today's show will show you the disappointment but also perspective many many times i've told you history is not what they tell you myths huh boy they're just stories that are considered myths because they're so far 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 away we're going to dispel that today In understanding how 2020 has made it very apparent where we lay it all bare to understand the actual state of the union. And it's not just for the United States. The United States is the beacon of the last thing in the box. That's what it is. The grandstand.
2: That coming from the governor who spent his final days in office sitting on the beach while his state government was shut down. That's why the GOP never complained about the problems with the 2020 election, the one China and Iran interfered with, as we now know from Director of National Intelligence, John Ratcliffe.
5: What they're really trying to do is through blackmail, through bribery, through overt and covert influence, trying to make sure that only laws that are favorable to China are passed.
1: Now, if you remember, we were here almost a year ago think it was at the time of the State of the Union where I told you we're gonna have a new party. this is where it starts. This is where the people realized that the two-party system was a facade. it never existed ever, ever. And President Trump tried to save them and say, listen, you side with the people. side with me and the people and you know maybe you'll stay and have your gym membership and all those benefits of a great retirement because it's down to the wire and they all laughed. And look who's laughing now, though. GOP
2: wants its voters to move on from President Trump and has publicly ditched both Trump and his voters to prove it. See, the problem for the GOP is that 95% of its voters voted for Trump. The kids belong to Trump, not Mitch McConnell. And they don't seem to be in any mood to simply move on from the 2020 election and get excited about Chris Christie running in 2024, or go back to the losing ways of Mitt Romney and company, what happened to prominent Republican politicians right after the election? The answer is, they all disappeared. Once the GOP disappeared, it began to pursue its old agenda policy, the policy agenda that existed before Donald Trump. Almost the very first night, they passed Senator Mike Lee's big tech bill, allowing unlimited Indian guest workers to come into the U.S. to take the best U.S. tech jobs. The GOP Senate in particular had already tried to stop the president from building the wall, stopping mass illegal immigration and amnesty. They even tried to block him from putting tariffs on China. In other words, the GOP has completely broken from the most popular Republican president in living memory. They have opposed the president on every significant policy dispute in the last four years. This resembles a revolt of GOP politicians against their own voters. According to incoming Representative Marjorie Green, who will be joining us later on the show, Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi are crafting a plan to block members of Congress from objecting to the certification of the Electoral College votes. What does that remind you of? I mean, it reminds me of this Thelma Louise clip of them going off the cliff. Even President Trump thinks so.
3: These people back here and the Washington swamp. I'm also running against some rhinos. We still got some of them left. They're on... Mouth-to-mouth resuscitation It's <laughs> just about gone, but uh, you don't want them to come back. The rhinos, the rhinos are worse than the angry, angry, sicko Democrats, the ones that have gone off the ledge.
2: The establishment has simply miscalculated the mood of the country very badly. And then again, most of these senators and congressmen don't really spend their time worrying about their own voters.
1: You just watched Newsmax TV, America's yeah. fastest growing well, cable Just like every channel, there are just a few people that we should keep an eye on. And Emerald's one of those few people. Now we're going to shift over again to Newsmax. Very interesting choice of words. Their world is on fire, says um, Greg Kelly. How about yours? That's actually the title of his show. Their world is on fire. How about yours? So here's where we, um, we come down to it. And you'll understand how all of this has been panning out throughout the year. I know I can't have you guys go back and listen to 250 episodes <laughs> of Tory Says. But you see, all of them were bringing you to this day. Uh, of realization and understanding. We talked about the new party early in the year. On New Year's Day, I told you about Cere- Cerebras and all of those little fun facts that no one really paid attention to. It was just a show. As I've said before, I never wanted to set the world on fire. And this is True. I, I, I have mentioned this before, maybe over a year ago, maybe two. But the first gift I ever received from my father was a handcrafted piece of jewelry from a gold jeweler that does handcrafted jewelry, Um, Onis, L.A., L.A., O-U-N-I-S, uh, very exquisite, jewelry, very expensive. I was quite young and my dad bought me a one of a kind made for me um, Pandora's box. And um, the one thing that he told me was you should never feel bad about letting out um, what you want to say. What has to be done. Uh, It was intended to be opened in the story, and we're going to talk about that. Because it's only through challenges, and I've said this many times before, that we realize what it is that we are striving for. If you live your life going down a straight road through rolling plains, and you can see the horizon. But everything looks the same. It's just a straight road. You kind of tune out after a while. You kind of tune out and just focus on the road, not what's around it. So everything starts to look the same. Whereas if your life is a bunch of twists, turns, dips, rises, floods, misery, pain, you'll come to the end of the road way stronger than anything. And, um, when I was a child, actually, we all had names, uh, in this special school. Like we all had like nicknames, uh, one nickname that I liked that was, um, given to another fellow student. We never used our real names. They always gave us like other names, um, one kid had the name Neptune. I thought that was so hot. Obviously, he was a dork. Um, he would pee his pants. <laughs> Seriously, like pee his pants. Um, up until he was like 12. Um, because he would get excited and play um, when we do playtime at recess. So, and, and to think that he was so smart. Um And then there was this boy that I learned his name was Phil. His real name was Phil. um, And his um, school name uh, was Uranus. We used to make fun of him a lot, (laughs) obviously. Um, But yeah, it was kind of like we all had like little nicknames in school. Um, He was such a nerd too. And he would always cough up chunks of like blood that looked like liver. Um, he once coughed it up, and it came out on his sleeve. He was still alive after that, so <laughs> so weird um uh there was another um kid named Xenophon, um total weirdo um you know he was <laughs> <laughs> so weird uh the memories that have come back um but my nickname uh was indeed Pandora um, because supposedly I reminded um, the instructors when they were handing out nicknames of her. So it was quite fitting because I I guess maybe that influenced my dad to give me that box, which um, was one of the most treasured pieces of jewelry ever. Um, So we'll talk about um, all of that today. So here we have Greg Kelly. Um, he's saying that their world is on fire. How about yours? Kind of aligns with something in the airport that my daughter pointed out yesterday. She was sitting at the airport and she was watching the television. And she said to me, mom, what the heck? The world is literally on fire and they're talking about climate change. People all over the world can't get out of their houses. Um, governors are telling people to stay in their homes. I'm not understanding why they're talking about climate change right now. I mean, even if they're talking about it, people tune out. If it was a real thing, what is going on? I just said, you know, that's that's basically it. The news or entertainment. Even Maddo told you that. When she got caught up, you know, in, a, in lawfare, she said, I could say whatever I want. I'm not the news. I'm simply entertainment. So that was quite interesting. So I want you to take a listen to this segment by Greg Kelly. It's quite, a, uh, quite fascinating.
5: And no, they didn't find God. They found climate change. And you can bet the farm on the fact that if they take the Senate in Georgia, they're going to ram the Green New Deal right down middle America's throats.
1: Here they are praising the creation and not the creator.
5: So actually, it's more of a doomsday cult. They've tried to use climate change, end-of-days threats as a crudel to bludgeon people into submission for years, but lately it's becoming more rabid, more hysterical, and quite frankly, more pathetic. Here's Joe Biden speaking yesterday about it.
3: When we consider the most daunting threats of our time, we know that meeting them requires American engagement and American leadership but also that none of them can be solved by America acting alone. Take climate change, for example. The United States accounts for less than 15% of the global carbon emissions. But without clear, coordinated, and committed approach from the other 85% of the carbon emitters, the world will continue to warm. Storms will continue to worsen. Climate change will continue to threaten the lives and livelihoods of public health and economics of our existence and our literally the very existence of our planet
5: sure india is going to cut their carbon emissions because joe biden thinks it's a good idea literally the existence of our planet is at stake he says i know logic and joe biden go together like peanut butter and kitty litter but nothing about what he said actually makes any sense we're literally the only major advanced country that has cut our carbon emissions this is in the recent years folks So why do we need to join forces with the rest of the world to reduce our own carbon emissions? We're already at 15%. He said it. China's 28% of carbon emissions. Biden knows what he's saying is absurd, or at least I hope he does. So he ends it by saying, basically, if you don't join me, the whole planet will literally die. Knowing that there are people actually dumb enough out there who just will go along with this. Again, as I've said all week, liberals can't legislate on the persuasion of merits. They can't argue the issues. They must appeal to emotion and fear. I'm okay talking about climate change. It's an open dialogue. We should always have that. But I'm only going to talk about the facts, you know, science and stuff. Climate change has always existed since the beginning of time. Now, it would be foolish to suggest that man-made acceleration of carbon emissions don't have some effect. But are we the reason polar ice caps are melting? Probably not. Will we all die in 12 years? No. Sorry, AOC. We were once in an ice age. And now we're not. There were actually five ice ages. The Earth goes through these natural natural cyclical cycles when humans weren't even around for any of them.
1: Okay, so Carl Higby is doing a great job for the Craig G- Kelly, Greg <laughs> Kelly show. How many times have we said this? If you actually pull out ice cores, you'll see that we have a circadian rhythm as a planet, as a biodome. And uh, kind of the way the heart beats, so does the climate beat with us. So it's so bizarre how suddenly, you know, we're all going to die. Here we go with the fear porn because we're going to talk about that because there's a reason that they do this. And that reason is control. Fear porn is one of the most incredible weapons that can be used. As a reality hacker, I can tell you that true terrorism is simply weaponizing fear. And they have various modes and issues that they have weaponized. But in order to fight such terrorism... In order for you to be able to fight the terrorism, because this is terrorism, they've inserted so much fear porn, not just on climate, but biological. Because right now, there are people that sincerely fear for their lives because of the control of virus, right? This is terrorism. And in order to fight it, you need to know the root of its cause. Kind of like how people are like, well, ISIS and Al-Qaeda, it's all about jihad and weaponizing Islam. Well, what's behind that? It's not like someone woke up one day, an imam woke up and said, let's take over the world. I mean, it's simple, but they have to have money. They have to have operations. So again, you need to look to the root of it. Oh my gosh, we're all going to die from the flu. Okay, look at everyone saying it. Look at where it's coming from. And again, you have to go back to the root cause of it. How do they get the money? Why are they pushing it so hard? Who's really behind this? And why is it really being used? Climate change. Oh my gosh, if you don't praise Mother Earth and just give us all your money, the world is going to cease to exist. We're all going to die. Again, look at the root, look what it is, look why it's being pushed. What is the soul-driven, what's the driver for this? I can tell you that it's called the enslavement of your mind. Uh, And that's key. Key. We'll talk about that today.
5: The fact that our planet has a stable temperature, as stable as it is, it's actually a real miracle. We're a ball of rock spinning 93 million miles away from our nearest heat source and spinning at over a thousand miles an hour in a vacuum, plus or minus 400 degrees between sun and shade. We get peppered with meteors and little rock debris traveling 45,000 miles per hour. It's a miracle we have any life at all on this planet. So climate change is real. The earth naturally fluctuates between warm periods and cold periods. It's a delicate balance and it's been the way for billions of years, long before we were first graced with the any liberal arts graduate students, you don't need to fear carbon emissions as much as AOC would like. The truth is, many on the left know that climate change is not a grave threat. I'll get to that in a moment, but anyone paying attention to the way the Democrats operate can see that they only have one play and they run it on every single issue. Step one, identify a crisis, make everyone think they will die if they don't go along with it. They did this with healthcare too. Remember, Bernie Sanders, they will die. Step two, Consolidate power by getting people to willingly give it to you in the name of fear. Climate change is just a power grab. Now, Biden says storms will continue to worsen. AOC has also pushed this myth that intense hurricanes are caused by climate change. But according to Forbes, not so true. Listen to this. Many will be surprised to learn that hurricanes aren't increasing in frequency and that deaths from natural disasters are at their lowest point in 120 years. (gasps) Whoops. Thank you, Doppler Radar. We're so much better equipped to handle weather than any other point in human history. The deadliest natural disaster in U.S. history actually occurred in September of the year 1900. A massive hurricane, massive, one of the biggest ever recorded, surprised the people of Galveston. They cut off all communication. This was from the New York Times on September 8, 1900. Galveston may be wiped out by storm. When they finally did make contact, it was estimated that anywhere from 6,000 to 12,000 people died on Galveston Island and the mainland Texas. The most advanced city in America was nearly destroyed. Now, we've come a very long way over the last century, and that advancement has increased the use of machinery, which has increased the use of carbon emissions. Is one of the prices for progress. We wouldn't have won World War II without it either. One area that liberals have further used to convince people of impending doom is to mandate electric cars. You know, the increase of forest fires are now the thing. Funny thing that forest fires are only happening in areas where the crunchy enviro folks don't want to do any forest management Javin <clears throat> Newsom, sorry uh, could the two be related look every year california we see massive wildfires that take lives destroy homes they just completely burn down properties and like clockwork you see the leftists point out the destruction shrieking you need to the green new deal to fight these fires no we don't it's nonsense California Governor Gavin Newsom, speaking at the DNC over the summer, used the fires as an excuse to push his climate change agenda. Watch. The hots are getting hotter. The dries are getting drier. Climate change is real. If you are in denial about climate
3: change, come to California. 11,000 dry lightning strikes. We had over a 72-hour period leading to this unprecedented challenge with these wildfires. This is an extraordinary moment in our history. Mother Nature
5: has now joined this conversation around climate change. And so we too need to advance that conversation. Real quick, um, why isn't he wearing a mask? Isn't he the one that says we have to all do that? He goes on to say that crazy President Trump says the fires are because they don't rake the leaves. You know, it's bad though when the Washington Post sided with Trump. Look at this, it says, Trump has a point. The fires are worse because we manage the forest badly. Whew. As the governor Newsom is in a position to actually do something about the force. But why would a Democrat try to fix something when the problem is far better for his career than the solution? Plus, as I mentioned earlier, the powerful people who do the most push for the climate change agenda are the ones who believe in it the least. Al Gore, aside from inventing the Internet, his life post-politics is flying around the Earth in a private jet, telling children that all the polar bears are going to die and their homes will be swallowed up by the melting polar ice caps unless we... Go home and convince our parents to vote for people who are going to uphold the Green New Deal. If Greenland broke up and melted, or if half of Greenland and half of West Antarctica broke up and melted, this is what would happen to the sea level in Florida. This is what would happen to San Francisco Bay. A lot of people live in these areas. Hmm. You know who also lives near the ocean? Oh, that's right. Al Gore, yes, he bought a $9 million Ocean View Villa in monticello california 10 years ago you ever sit there and think to yourself that like we as a society have just reached peak stupid for elevating these hypocrites if he really believed in what he was selling then he would not buy a house so close to the ocean he bought that house 10 years ago and guess what shocker it's not underwater in 2017 it was reported that the electricity used to heat his swimming pool would power six average homes for a year but yeah we gotta curve our power, power carbon emissions What do Al Gore, Obama, Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Leonardo DiCaprio, what do they all have in common? They all climate alarmists, and they have multiple houses. They fly around on private jets, scolding us for our carbon emissions. They're hypocrites. We know that. But it's not just enough to know it. You have to be vocal about it, because if you get in their way, and this country will be forced to embrace the Green New Deal, it'll kill us. Most people in this country have hardly any carbon footprint at all in comparison to the ultra-wealthy who fly all over the world to their multiple houses where they have multiple cars. Think about it. The average American family emits about 20 metric tons of carbon a year. An hour and a half flight in a 747 releases 30 metric tons, which, by the way, accounts for less than 0.0001% of all daily air travel. Your carbon footprint is not the problem. Barack Obama flying across the country in Air Force One to plant a single tree on Earth Day is. But leftists aren't using climate change to... they're just using it to seize power. And they want to punish you with their economic policies. And folks, we can't let that happen.
1: You just watched Newsmax TV. So, one thing people need to understand is that the human mind, the higher processes of thought, have uh, its innately programmed for you to be enslaved. It is innately programmed uh, because we use the reason that we've been provided, the reality that has been constructed for you, and all these things in between that they tell you are reality and facts. Mm, Like if you drop an object from one foot, the uh, speed that it will have is G equals 9.8 millimeters per second squared. Someone came up with it. That's the reality you take. That's exactly how it works. Right? They tell you hydrogen is one of the lightest because it only has one electron and it's highly volatile and helium is a noble gas because it does not bind with others. This is the reality they gave you. Therefore, your higher processes, your mind is pre-programmed to urge you to be enslaved. And fear is, well, true terrorism is weaponizing fear. Now, I want us to think of, and we're going to try this together. All of us right now, are intelligent. We have a set of skills. Some of you are iron workers. Um, some of you are lawyers, doctors, nurses. You know, uh, car mechanics. Anything. Everybody right now that's listening to me has a skill, whatever that may be. You can crochet. You can cook. You know. So let's pretend we all got together and we created a species. Um, because we can't, right? because we can, we simply can now, obviously, when you create something or you adopt a pet or you whatever, you want it to obey you. Why? Well, I gave you life, you must obey. I created you, you must obey I didn't create you out of love like we do our children, right? I didn't, you know, I made you, it's just, I made you, obey. I molded you, obey. Some people feel like that about pets too, Um, uh, which is weird, but there are um, humans that do. So let's pretend that we created our own version of, you know, living beings. We would want them to obey us. Do you remember, ooh, great example for those of you that are South Park fans. Do you remember how, um, was it Cartman that had like a fish thing where he raised them and they thought he was a god or whatever and they would praise him and stuff, right? So (laughs) I want you to think of it like that. I want you to think of that emotion. The Yeah, you know what? I made this new race of of living beings that can walk and can talk and I want them to do this for me, right? It wasn't made out of love. It was made out of, I want you to do this for me. Maybe I want you to uh, take buckets of water up seven flights of stairs for me or mine gold for me or something. Then as you have this Created whatever thing that we all create together. One of us decides, well, here's this. I kind of like them. They're growing on me. I don't want to see them as objects anymore. I, I want to teach them how to read, or I want to teach them. Um, I want to make them more like me, but I want to make them more like me and I want to control them. So, how do I do this? And there it begins. Think of all the things humankind has been shaped into, very obedient beings. From the beginning of time, there has always been a regime of power, of those that were uh, bowed down to and um, embraced. And when the people, when the subjects were obedient, when the subjects did what they were supposed to do and did not, lift a finger in protest for things that were happening to others that were considered of a lesser God, right? Because there are children of a lesser God, supposedly. Everything was perfect. There was advancements. There were pyramids built. There were temples built. There was so much being done when people submit unequivocally to their leader. The problem is, is that if we create something out of nothing, right, or we recreate something, we're not the OG of creation, right? We're not the creator. Therefore, inside of it is that light of, wait a minute, Mm, my higher brain is telling me that a triangle has three sides, has 180 degrees, A square has four equal sides. You know, the speed of light is this. You know, water is created with two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen, right? But I don't know. I'm kind of thinking about it. There's got to be more. And I actually had this conversation with a friend of mine last week who said something that normally someone would be like, oh, it's no big deal. But for me, it resonated. And I said, you should know better than that. You should stop listening to your higher processes and listen to your gut. Because your gut is where that little piece of understanding lies. And that little piece that tells you, even though I feel like I'm fighting terrorism or a threat, like the control virus, by wearing a mask, I know that it's never going to be over because that's not the root of my fear. That is not what is causing me fear. What is causing me fear? That's the thing. And so today we need to understand that disappointment always brings you to the right place. When someone disappoints you, you have to thank them because You realize that you were listening to your higher processes and not your gut. You have to understand that they know that when man is disappointed over and over and over and over again throughout time, right? They lose hope in everything. This is where All the diseases, the torment, the pain, the chaos that was let out of the box makes the one thing that was in the box pale. You know, when the box was opened by Pandora, many think it was a gift, you know, to like Zeus was all pissed off. And we're going to watch a couple of those clips because we're going to dispel it because I've told you that myths are history. They're not just stories, okay? We can't say that the people that, you know, brought us mathematics and had computers over 2,000 years ago, right, were so dumb that they just believed in things like that. Uh, You know, if you actually read uh, ancient tragedies, the chorus literally says, of machine God that came down and caused chaos. They tell you if you read. Kind of like, you know, the Bible says you could sell your daughter for cattle. No one's going to sell their daughter for cattle, okay? And that's not the point of it. The point is you need to remove that higher processes that you have in your mind and find that faith inside of you because that is what makes you wise, not your wisdom teeth, not your brick-and-mortar education. But your ability to remove yourself from the situation and look down on it from the moon. So it's important to see it like that. You know we're missing this in every aspect of our life. There is no objectivity to say. Well, hold on a second. Let me. Re-. It's very hard. It's 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 kind of like telling someone that's submerged in water. To get out and not be wet. Get out and not be wet. How do you do that? You can. (laughs) You can. Oh, you can. But you have to understand that every single success the human species has ever had comes on the heel of disappointment. And this battle that is being fought and was initiated on the 29th of December has been fought. Again, and again, and again. Same movie, more upgrades, better graphics, okay? More interconnectivity. So to um, to set, shed some light, I believe that I want to share with you a video. This person, America First, America Forever or something... This account on um, YouTube, it's called um, America First, America Forever, absolutely love the videos they create. So I want you guys to listen to this. Listen to it.
3: There's not going to be a President Donald Trump. (laughs) Donald Trump will not become
1: president. He is not, Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States take it to the bank. Okay. I guarantee it. All right. I
6: think that man will be president of the United States right about the time that spaceships come down filled with
7: dinosaurs. And- Donald Trump has been saying that he will run for president as a Republican, which is surprising since I just assumed he was running as a joke.
2: Donald Trump, just last week, he confirmed to the National Review that he is again considering a run in 2016.
6: Do it. Do it. Do <laughs> it. I will personally write you a campaign check now. On behalf of this country, which does not want you to be president,
3: but which badly wants you to run. I continue to believe Mr. Trump will not be president. Mr. Trump will not be president. He uh, will never be president of the United States. And uh, we better be ready for the fact that he might be leading the Republican ticket next year. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't believe that, but I want to go on. <laughs> to write Sorry, so go to go next. Okay, Here we are. And which Republican candidate has the best chance of winning the general election?
6: of the declared ones, right now, Donald Trump.
3: And so, right now, Mr. Trump, to answer your call for political honesty, I just want to say, you're not going to be president. There is zero chance we'll be seeing you being sworn in on the Capitol steps with your hand on a giant golden Bible. Donald Trump will never, ever be president of the United States. Donald Trump will never be elected president of the United States. Donald Trump is really here today going tomorrow candidate for president of the United States. Donald Trump is not going to be president of the United States. Ever uh, respectful of the fact that the people have not voted, he's not going to be president of the United States. Let's be clear, Donald Trump will lose the election. We
6: talk about him every day, and we are continuously yeah, bashing him. be the president. He... Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
5: This to be a wake up call to the Republican Party. Uh, despite Boris thinking that Donald Trump can win New York, like this, the president's presidential race is over. Just, just, could I just cut through? I have one thing to say,
3: one thing only, and that is that this race is over. President Obama will go down as perhaps the worst president in the history of the United States. Exclamation point. At Real Donald Trump. <laughs> well, at real Donald Trump. At least I will go down as a president. <laughs> and when you stand and deliver that State of the Union address in no part of your mind or brain, can you imagine Donald Trump standing up one day and delivering a State of the Union address? Well, I can imagine it uh, in a Saturday night skip. <laughs> I solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute that I will faithfully execute the office of President of the United States. The office of President of the United States, and will to the of my ability, will to the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend. Preserve, protect, and defend. The Constitution of the United States, the Constitution of the United States. So help me God, so help me God. Congratulations, Mr. President. honor to be able to introduce for the first time ever, anywhere, the 45th President of the United States of America, Donald J. Trump.
1: So they told you that he was the underdog. They told you that they are in charge, but in essence, they're the ones that are the underdog, not you. They have been giving you all the right signals. We're in control of the narrative. We're telling you what you need to eat, how you need to walk, how you need to talk, how how you need to stand, how do you need to obey, what you need to follow, what you need to learn. Uh, In essence, they have no power over you. You are many. They are few. And it's important that people understand that because they have weaponized fear throughout the ages. Oh <laughs> man. To have you bend the knee regardless that they know best. Just look at the people that you are being represented by. People that believe that their shit doesn't stink. That they're smarter than everyone else. They're successful at business and you're not. And just like Carl said earlier, filling in for Greg, huh? You need to keep your emissions in check. You need to keep your taxes in check. You need to keep funding and giving away money. They don't. They can fly on jets. They can have tax breaks. They can do anything they want, but you can't because then you're just a bad, 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 disobedient member of society. And they know that every time they knock another person down, that they bring you another disappointment. And you know, that's the problem. People fear disappointment. People actually revel in disappointing people. So I found this great speech by someone. Uh, Ben Lionel Scott, and he put it together so well because a lot of people find it that when they're broken by life, because life does break you, I mean, it's misery that helps you grow. It's pain, suffering, and loss that helps you see everything. Human success only comes After disappointment. And that's very important for you to understand that for 2021. It should empower you, not have you bend the knee. Those of you that believe that, oh, well, what's the point? They're bigger than us. What's the point? They're stronger than us. What's the point? They're more powerful than us means that you don't understand how it works. It means that you don't understand how things are because I can tell you that people have a quality and that I've always said self-preservation that I do not. Like this is this is why I, it makes me so sad. Humans are capable of you fighting for them and them throwing stones at you because you're fighting for them. And you're just like, don't you see? And that's the ignorance because people give up very quickly. Very quickly. From the first time sometimes that they're told no. You know, how many of you have tried that diet? Oh, I'm going to start on Monday and it'll be fine and I'm going to start my diet on Monday and it'll all be great. And then, you know, it fails. So then you're like, oh, you know, I'm like predisposed like this, so it's not going to work for me. You know, uh, when you ask for help and you get turned away, you stop asking. You're just like, I'm just going to lay in misery. When time gets hard, it always does. People see disappointment as the end of all end, like it's over. Someone made a decision for me. That's it. I can't do it. Uh, You know, people say, well, that door's closed, so I'm done. No. Look for a window. No window, no back door. Break the damn wall. You can climb and scale the wall if you wanted to. And you have to understand that the creator, God, allows you to be restricted. This box of misery, pain, diseases, and challenges was released upon you so that you understand that you're at the wrong place. (laughs) The wrong place in your life, the wrong place of perspective. he. Sees that if you have disappointment in front of you, you grow and you learn how to overcome it. What someone does in the in in the in the grace, I would say, of disappointment builds their characters. There's people you don't like that speak for you. There's people you never endorsed. That speak for you. Aren't there? I mean, you see them now all over your television. But here's the thing. We can't sit here and point fingers. We can't sit here and dwell on, oh, this is just way too much for me. I'm in over my head. God forgive me, I've been there too. I've felt that way too. So you can go home and pretend, you know, nothing's there but I'm the one that'll make a freaking hole in the ceiling to do what I want to do. No one is unable to go through challenges. There is no cross that you will bear that you cannot bear. Okay. You will never be assigned a cross that you can't bear. And I say this all the time, you know, kind of feel like Atlas sometimes. And I'm sure all of us have felt that way in our life. God had said, sometimes you're thinking too low and are too limited. You're disappointed and it's okay. In Revelation chapter four, verse one, you know, John had said that about, you know, belief that there's like an island and there was a door standing open, but where this door was, it wasn't a door. It was right there standing open in heaven. There's always a door. You just don't see it. Because your reality construct tells you there isn't one. That's the problem with man. Could you imagine if someone like, you know, Abraham Lincoln said, you know what, there's just too many. Just forget about it. Just think about it. Or Christopher Columbus is like, you know what, we already have an established route. No need to go over there, you know, and trade. Could you imagine if George Washington was like, look, man, everyone's enslaved to the queen. Like... Let's just have fun. I mean, I'm the richest guy in America anyway, which he was. Uh, why am I going to fight for the people? I mean, they just look up to me because they want a piece of gold or a piece of gold. What if he spoke like that? Rules. Who makes these rules? And that's a, that's a question we should all ask ourselves. Who makes rules? Who does them? So hopefully this will give you a little bit more perspective.
4: I don't care how good you are, I don't care how talented you are. I don't care how much you work on yourself. There are some times when things aren't going to go right. There are times when anything that can happen will happen. Life happens. The unexpected, the uncalled for, the unintentional. We've been damaged, emotional, damaged, spiritual. It may be your business. It may be your heart that is broken today. It may be the number in your bank account that is screaming, you are broke. You can break physically, you can break mentally, you can break your heart, you can break your spirit, and all of those are going to leave a mark. But the mark that they leave can be the mark of victory or it can be the mark of defeat. It is staying with the breaking that produces the blessing. It is not what you go through that determines where you end up. It's who you listen to. Because I think right now, you are walking through a valley between two voices. One is wisdom, one is word. One is gratitude, one is grumbling. One is blame, one is faith. Because every time you break, and in every way that you break, while it's a chance for you to give up and for you to fall apart, but there's also opportunity to get stronger, and get smarter, and get faster, and get tougher, and get more stable, and get more resilient, and get better what I need you to do is I need you to find a reason to keep going. And if you can find a reason to keep going, I know you're strong enough to do it because you are it. And every human has what it takes to get past whatever they're going through. If they decide to push through it, push through it. Tragedy and trials come to everybody. Only the strong survive. The fight isn't over. The fight is just beginning. You have the opportunity to show the world what you are really made of. I need you to look at that sickness that's going on in your life right now, whatever it is. I want you to say, I can't beat it. I can't beat it. I will beat it. I must. I got a family to live for. I ain't through yet. My life ain't over yet. There's some things in life, you don't need no degree for it. You don't need no money for it. You don't need no support for it. There's something in life you're just gonna get through when you tell yourself, "I'm gonna get through this." Because of what happens to your life, regardless of the adversity, regardless of the opposition, regardless of the trials, and relations, nothing can stop you. The only thing that can stop you is you. No situation, no circumstance, no piece of
6: adversity can define your life. Never a circumstance define.
4: And I'm not retreating. I'm not running. I don't care what they say on paper. I don't care if you say we outnumber. We live by this, and we die by this. We don't retreat. We don't run. We gonna stand. We gonna live. We gonna die by what we stand for, and everybody gonna know what we represent and what we're a part of. I got staying power. I got staying power. Be encouraged today
6: that no matter what you walk through, no matter how broken your marriage is, no matter how many times you fell, there is within you a spirit that is
4: greater than whatever is going on around you. If you will be willing to fight your way through this battle, fight your way through cancer, fight your way through that academic struggle, fight your way through divorce, fight your way through it. If you are willing to fight your way through that student career, fight your way through boxing, fight your way through football. I'm telling you, at the end of the fight, there's going to come victory. And as you crawl up and out of that dismal and wretched place As you rise above what you were, and as you take the form of who you are supposed to be, you will see that in the very act of standing up, in the very act of fighting on, you will become and you will remain
1: unbroken. So, if the Queen couldn't break us, then... If the left couldn't mesmerize us enough, then. If there weren't brave people in 2016 to do the unimaginable, wonder so many eyes. If you weren't able to be able to discern fact from fiction by focusing on yourself, the only person you need to listen to is yourself, your inner self, that's it. You should always, always fight back. Nobody can tell you who you are. What you are, where you stand, no one can but you. And so while we take this intermission, someone shared a song with me that I I found on, um, they shared it to me through Facebook. And I want to play it for you. I had never heard of them before. I am a total fan now. All their music is just incredible. Um, It's a group called We the Kingdom. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of them but you're definitely listening to them during intermission right now. So um, I hope you enjoy it. See you all in just a bit. Oh,
6: no, you done it now. Gonna kiss the king, gonna kiss the crown. Said, oh, no, you done it now. How to feel the fire Rumors spreading around How could you think he would stay down Said rumors spreading around Nothing but a liar Get on out of here Get up and leave Ain't no devil gonna tread on me He's choking on the blood That ran down the tree Ain't no devil gonna tread on me Gonna get the crowd Said, oh no You've done it now Time to feel the fire
0: Rumors
6: Spreading around How could you think That he would stay down Said, rumors Spreading around He's nothing but a liar Get her out of here Get her up and leave Ain't no devil gonna tread on me Suck it on the bed You ran down the tree Ain't no devil gonna tread on me No weapon Formed against me Shall prosper Don't tread on me. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Don't tread on me. Said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Don't tread on me. Oh, against shall in Jesus' name. Oh, yeah, shall prosper in Jesus' name. Oh, tread on me, he's choking on the blood, and ran down the street, ain't no devil gonna tread on me. Get on out of the get on out believe. ain't no devil gonna tread on me, he's choking on the blood, and ran down the street, ain't no devil gonna tread on me, so ain't no devil gonna tread on me
1: pretty awesome song. Hope you guys got your coffees refilled. I should have put my air filtration system on during that break, but I didn't. I'm smoking the crap out of myself. Uh, so uh, I want you to understand that 2020 uh, was indeed the land of confusion. The world was being set on fire, not by you, but by them, because their world is on fire. Their At the precipice. (laughs) They're done. And the whole world is watching. Remember, we're funding the whole world. They're waiting on us to kneel. The ones that took that great achievement, right? I told you. Had the paper in my hands. Ink wasn't even dry yet. And they were already scheming on how to destroy this amazing idea of a union of people that respect each other's wills. This sat right, and sat on the left side of Zeus at all times. Did you know that? Interesting, isn't it? How things just seem to be reoccurring throughout time. Ethics. <sighs> ethics. What is ethics? You know, ethics. Freedom is supposedly the right of every man, woman, and child to exercise their free will. Free will is the power that a person has to decide things and make them happen. A more Catholic version of freedom with today's uh, constructs is to have personal freedom, social freedom, and political freedom. But freedom is just freedom. Atomic freedom is the ability of a person to not be someone else's asset, that someone doesn't own you. Think about it. In the United States right now, today, do you feel like you're owned? Yes, you do. I mean, you still have the right to have your guns, but can you speak freely? No, you can't. People will silence you or attack you for speaking freely. Can you choose to walk out whenever you want? I mean, in the state of Ohio, after 10 o'clock, businesses must shut down. No one should be out because apparently control of virus spikes between 10 p.m. and 5 a.m. Where's your freedom? Social freedom is that someone can uh, be free and do as they please as long as it doesn't impede on the other one's freedoms. (laughs) And then political freedom is to be able to have conversations and dialogue uh, about your social freedoms. Which social freedoms are you exercising your personal freedom? So think. If your personal freedom doesn't exist, most definitely you have no control over your social freedom. Therefore, you have no control over your political freedom either. That's how it works. Freedom, freedom, freedom. Kant had some really great um discussions on that. Because for some reason, someone has told you that your freedom ends when where someone else's begins. Actually, freedom is coupled with morals. Immorality is what breeds issues of freedom and creates these constructs that people abide to. There have been many philosophers in time that have been talking about this. It was uh Le Boutier, right? who discussed voluntary voluntary servitude. The power of tyrants is based only on the abandonment of people's power. Have you abandoned your power into the hands of people that don't care? The tyrants are often weak, very, very weak. And only those that are gullible idolize them. People are simply responsible for the situations that they are in and as people voluntarily give their servitude to other humans then reason simply disappears and people are completely deceived and dominated and the structure that tyrants have is so elaborate that when you try to break it down with this multi-level hierarchy it can, it, it it it's it's almost as if you're going up against goliath And they make it complex like that. So you can't rise up so that you fear them. If you ever dare raise your head and decide that you want to take matters into your own hand. So speaking of reality, uh, I wanted to discuss this movie inception, which talks about reality constructs, but that would take too long. I want to give you the understanding. That this confusion and this chaos, this weaponization of fear from terrorists to flying airplanes into buildings to shootings, you know at gay nightclubs with no dead people I mean they're they're dead on t v we just don't see any actual graves uh the overuse of this person doesn't exist dot com all of these mass shootings, all of these bombings, all of these events. control a virus, masks, dictators showing you their face. It's all weaponization. That's true terrorism. This is what they've been using. Terrorism is a very useful tool. People forfeited all their rights to privacy in the name of a plane that can lose its wing with a flock of birds, right? Okay. A plane can lose its wings to a flock of birds, but it cut through a steel building like butter. People forfeited their rights instantaneously in the name of fear. That's how terrorism works. It has you submit. It has you bend the knee in the name of safety Security, economic prosperity. Where's your prosperity? Where do we have seven hundred, over $700 billion to give the whole world when our nation is $22 trillion in debt? Oh, that's just more debt. Who's making the money? The IMF. Who's really in control? What is really the source of this? And this is just power. So the era of disappointment has come in. And it's not going to stop. 2021 is going to be filled with disappointments. Filled with disappointments. You will be disappointed every single day. Disappointed in the people around you. Disappointed in your media. Disappointed in your doctors, your nurses, your scholars, your faith leaders, your neighbor, your family. They will all disappoint you that's what 2021 will be. Disappointment. But like I've said before, disappointment is not to be seen as a loss, but a victory. Disappointment should be embraced. I've said it many times before. Your failures, your disappointment should empower you and you should wear them like badges. They shouldn't be open wounds that are gaping. It should be badges. So we're going to delve into history now and um, talk about it a little bit. So you can understand why it's necessary to have all these evil things around you. Why it's necessary to be disappointed. Remember, with every great movement, there was great sorrow. Big battles, big floods, bloodbaths. Annihilation of civilizations that have changed the world throughout time. Empires have risen and fallen. It's going to be pretty interesting, twenty twenty one. And I thought I I found a video, and I'll be interjecting to kind of give real versions of the history slash what they call mythology. Um. It's quite interesting. I found two of them. This one's a good intro. I want you to understand uh, what this history lesson is telling you.
8: She was told to never open the box, preventing the frightful destiny of mankind. So at least it is true that a man has no control even over his own will. Long time ago, after winning the dreadful war against the titans, the giants and other creatures who wanted the downfall of the gods of Olympus. The overwhelming victory of the gods over the vicious forces sent by Gaia in order to dethrone Zeus was complete. The new chief of Olympus and his siblings ruled undisputed lords of all. The world had become a safer place, where people could live in peace without having to fear a sudden appearance of uncommon creatures. The world was ready for mankind. It was time for men to be created. In order to make that happen, Zeus devolved the task to Prometheus and his brother Epimetheus, who fought alongside with him during the war against the Titans.
1: Okay, so let me tell you what Prometheus and Epimetheus means. So Latin proverb, Latin prefixes and suffixes. Some of you may have done it in school. So Prometheus means in front of, or before God. Epimetheus means on God, part of it, that part of it. It's a duplicity, and they were twins. So the story goes that um, before God, so a primordial um, God that was there, Prometheus, um, was tasked to create mankind and epimetheus his twin was of god um, the vessel of god so i want you guys to understand keep that in mind as you listen
8: epimetheus had the role of designing nature lands and animals as his brother had a task to create the first humans But, Epimetheus granted all the good things to animals, he gave them incredible physical abilities and other type of skills, leaving humans hopeless. Prometheus then thought of a way to make mankind superior. He fashioned the first men in a nobler shape than animals, and gave humanity fire that he stole from heaven. Not only he has done something forbidden by the gods, but by craftily tricking the chief of the gods himself, he also arranged that humans should get the best parts of animal during sacrifices and the gods, the worst something he has gotten an unbearable punishment for.
1: Okay. So as you check out this amazing Eagle sitting right by Zeus, I want you to understand what was being said here. So Epimetheus of God, was creating the biodome, the animals, the plants, the bugs, that all work in unison. You cannot remove one and not disrupt the other. While Prometheus was creating in his or their image those that were to rule this earth in unison. You know, you share the same a majority of your DNA with a banana, right? And a tree, and a mushroom, and a fish. And a lion and a bear and a tiger. Oh my. So here's what the story is telling you that Prometheus before God, you know, which was, you would say he was the first of God, meaning he was the one kind of like our little group that I said in the first hour. We decide we're making people, right? A whole civilization. He decided how to do it. And what he did was he took because he saw tigers so mighty, so stealthy, birds that could fly so high, he created something that didn't really fit into the biodome. There were no innate uh, capabilities of humans to just survive. Uh, they had to have tools, uh, tools like fire, tools of knowledge. And you heard the commentator say something about, uh, you know, giving all the bad parts of a sacrificed animal to the gods and the good ones to the people. Here's how it went. Here's how the real story goes. The real story goes that the creator, Zeus, said, hey, listen, when you take this animal to eat, you're going to cut it in half. You're going to give the same half to the humans as the same half to the gods, meaning you will give them half of everything. So half to gods, half to humans. It has to be fair. So and then I will choose which pile you give. Will it be the front end and then whatever, right? So what he did was, and this is metaphoric, of course, he took, let's just say, a calf, right, stripped it, put all the nice meat, the ground meat, the steaks, the ribeyes, right, everything. And then in another pile, he put all the bones, the fat, the entrails, the oxtails, and everything. And then he covered them. And then he asked Zeus to choose. Which one do you choose? And he picked the one with all the rubbish. So Zeus was told that his creations would have the tails, the tongues, the entrails, the, the, the internal organs of the animal that nobody wanted. But then whatever Prometheus was having would have the top end steak, sirloins, filet mignons, the whole nine yard. Okay. And so this is where it got ugly. Metaphorically, what he wanted was two equal portions those that rule the people and the people to be equal. Instead, the people that Zeus wanted had all nothing. They didn't have the knowledge. They didn't have the tales. They didn't have anything. They had nothing. They had no stake. They had bones. I want you to understand that. This is very important, metaphoric, of course. And so we have Prometheus's initial people, the rulers Right. The rulers of this planet Earth, because he wanted to make them so amazing to have all the great cuts of that calf, all the great cuts of everything. And then he went and stole fire and gave it to them, too. Yet Zeus's people had all the innards. You get it? Understand that. So Prometheus created the ruling classes. Do you know how many he had? Twelve. And so the story that not a lot of people say is that when he created man out of those 12 lineages with the immense power, a 13th line came from a distant land or another planet, I don't remember, uh, that fought, um, that didn't fight, sorry, that watched the gods fight with the Titans, which were then expelled to the bowels of the earth. And so as this 13th, uh, asset to the planet came down they all reigned and created so what Zeus did was that he punished Prometheus listen to the punishment
8: Prometheus caring so much for mankind was getting Zeus even more upset as days gone by so Zeus decided to take revenge on mankind and then on mankind's friend he made a great evil for men a sweet and lovely thing to look upon Looking like a shy maiden, she was created from clay by Hephaestus as a gift for Epimetheus.
1: Okay, so this is another version of a story because I can play you another story that tells you something else. So here's what happened Zeus was pissed. He was like, hold on a second, dude. I tasked you to make humans, and you just made rulers and kings out there. I'm not happy with it. I am very not happy with it. So he cursed him. To, be, to have his innards pecked at for eternity by a bald eagle, by freedom. Pecked while he's chained. Pecked while he's chained. Now, they say that Zeus had Hephaestus, one of his brothers, siblings, whatever, uh, out of fire create a woman. A woman that he was going to send to Epimetheus, who created the earth, as a gift First, though, here's the real story, Uh, because a lot of this mythology gets um, bumped up. He created her in his image, and he took her down. She went down to Prometheus, who was chained to a rock while the inside were being pecked by a bald eagle that he would have to suffer forever. And she would plead with him and explain to him the problems that he had caused. As how he gave balance to one end when he thought, well, look, they're living in harmony. I gave them knowledge. I gave them fire. I gave them all the best. Look at them. They're beautiful. They're, they're strong. And look at them. They're populating the earth. How could my father be so upset? You don't get it. Because they're ruling over those that are created by Zeus himself. They're supposed to be two sides. They're supposed to be coming together. How will they grow? They cannot grow if you've given them everything, they grow in power. And so the Greeks grew and grew and they grew and grew and grew. That's basically it. They had genetics. They had flushing toilet systems like this is, you can look it up. They had everything. They had all the knowledge in the world, all of it. And so by doing that, he didn't create what was necessary in their image he created a replica that just simply existed to rule so and you know this one's a little bit skewed so i'm going to be stopping it so apparently he created this really nice lady and you know after she pled with prometheus she went to epimetheus and then zeus said you should marry her epimetheus she's like the first human woman i created <laughs>
0: She
8: was dressed of silvery raiment, embroidered veil, a wonder to behold, and bright garlands of blooming flowers and a crown made of gold. A creature with incredible beauty. She was granted of multiple gifts from the gods. She received craftsmanship and weaving from Athena, beauty and emotions from Aphrodite, guile and craftiness from Hermes and finally, Zeus bestowed upon her the trait of curiosity in a box as a wedding gift a box into which all of them had put something harmful and forbade her to never open it under no circumstances.
1: So understand, he gave this woman everything. He gave her all the qualities of what the other gods represented. Love, compassion, fire, being a warrior, being a mother, knowing how to manipulate fire. He gave her everything. But then he also bestowed upon her a box that he knew she would only open to find solutions, curiosity. See, when we are com- when we come to a stand where we need to answer a question, we look at everything in front of us and try to pull some reason. All the information we have. Well, what if you were in a library and you read every book, every single book in there, and you still couldn't find a solution? Only to find out that the worst book in there, the only one you didn't read, was the only way. So she had one thing Pandora. Pandora, something that people don't understand, was all about frequencies. Frequencies in resonating to the soul. Either that be from sound, from music from vibrations, frequencies are key. And at a time now that we're at, where frequencies, electromagnetic waves, are quite important, it's really key to understand just how everything works. So even though this is told in a very remedial fashion, and I have to constantly interject, What you need to understand is because Prometheus and Epimetheus were tasked with ushering what Zeus wanted on earth, which was peaceful. Don't get me wrong. Everyone lived in harmony. It was quite advanced. Everyone had everything. Everything was perfect, right? There was no ambition though, because they already knew everything. And that was the problem. Without growth, there is no grace. So. Let's continue.
8: Because of what they gave her, the Olympians called her Pandora, which means the gift of all. When this beautiful disaster had been made, Zeus brought her out and wonder took hold of gods and men. From Pandora, the first woman, came the race of women who are evil to men with a nature to do devilish things. The gods sent her down to earth along with Hermes who brought her to Epimetheus. The Titan rejected her at first, but then married the beautiful woman in haste. Although Prometheus, his brother being aware that Zeus was plotting something and still seeking revenge, had warned his brother to never accept anything from Zeus for the safety of their creation.
1: So I want you to take a look at um, the image, which are quite accurate. What you'll see is, is that Epimetheus was holding on to the staff of your DNA. I want you to... That's actually a, a, a rendition that has been going on in time. So he's not, he's narrating this completely wrong. And it's important that we understand when they're wrong. Um, Pandora was the first woman created by Zeus. Remember Epimetheus and Prometheus were before God and of God. So twins, which means, remember, the story goes is that Zeus took out the Titans, right? But not all, because Prometheus and Epimetheus were titans. Okay? So um, understand that. So I just want you to pay attention because symbology is very important. That's one thing that you will see um, is repetitive throughout history. So the double helix, it's pretty much software. But um, I want you to listen to what he says, even though wrong on most fronts. He does nail very good artwork that depicts the situations. Mankind.
8: Despite that warning, Epimetheus took her in. Later on, when that dangerous woman was his, he understood how good his brother's advice had been. For Pandora, like all women, was possessed of a lively curiosity. She spent days looking at the mysterious box like it was calling for her name. And as days passed, she grew eager and more curious about it. She had to know what was inside the box. Eventually, one day, she could not resist any longer. On that very day, she gave in, and against instructions, it was she who opened the box.
1: So now we're going to go to another video. So uh, that, that is what the story goes, right? They tell you that what happened was is that one day she got so curious that she couldn't help herself, and she opened up the box. Okay. Um it's actually quite interesting. Uh we're going to start with um this guy here. He's actually quite good. So he talks about he talks about the same things this guy says, but it's a little bit of a different rendition. Here's where you see how myths and history are skewed because it's all in the eyes of the beholder. So I'm just going to give you a more accurate rendition, is that favorable to say? I mean that's that's quite well it is a statement so I'm I'm sticking with it
7: and ruining the paradise that mankind had before she came along but like all greek myths the story is much more complicated than that the truth is pandora was simply a pawn in a complex chess game between titans and gods i know you're excited to learn what i mean by that and i'm excited to share it with you so i say we just jump into it as always i would appreciate you dropping a like before we get started and if content like this on a weekly basis sounds appealing to you then hit subscribe as well and now ladies and gents the messed up myth of pandora's box So the first fact about Pandora's myth that surprised me was that it was more than just a curiosity kills the cat fable. It's actually more of a creation myth that spans the entire first age of mankind, also known as the Golden Age. According to the poet Hesiod, Zeus's father Cronus ruled the universe for the majority of this time period, and Zeus and the Olympians took over towards the end after the war against the Titans. When that transition happened, the new gods said they wanted to be compensated for overseeing basically everything that went down on Earth, so they ordered the Titan Prometheus, which is believed to have meant forethought, to create mankind out of clay. They also assigned his brother Epimetheus, which means afterthought, the task of creating the animals that mankind would use as resources and as a means of sacrifice. And he did a great job for the most part. He gave some animals the gift of strength, others swiftness. Some were given defenses like horns and venom or the ability to burrow underground. There were some that he left defenseless, but they were destined to be prey animals that sustained the predators and would have many offspring to prevent them from dying out completely. So the animal kingdom was all balanced out. However, staying true to his name, Epimetheus didn't think far enough ahead and made the mistake of using all of the resources the gods gave them to arm the animals, leaving Prometheus nothing to give humankind. We had weak arms, weak legs, and at that point, very simple minds. We were not the masterpiece that Zeus had intended us to be. With the dawn of mankind approaching, Prometheus had no choice but to find a way to give us an advantage against the elements. So he stole fire from the blacksmith god Hephaestus and a fennel stalk and smuggled it down to earth along with some of his knowledge about the mechanical arts. Now you might be wondering why Prometheus had to smuggle those gifts to mankind in secret, and that has an interesting answer. You see, when the titan was first assigned the task of creating the human race, he knew the gods were going to take advantage of them, and he didn't want that happening to his little babies. As a result, he tricked Zeus into accepting worse sacrifices from them. The way he did this was he convinced the God of Thunder to allow humans to only sacrifice half of each animal they killed instead of the entire thing. You know, so they had something to live on. Zeus agreed to that, but then Prometheus pulled the fast one. He sacrificed two bowls, put all of their delicious meats into one bundle, and then their bones, waste, and other yucky stuff into the other, and covered them both in hide. He then told Zeus to choose which bundle he wanted, and Zeus, who didn't realize they were any different, picked the gross one, meaning that mankind could keep all of the good parts of the animal for themselves. In addition to explaining why Zeus was angry at Prometheus, this also shed some light on the custom of the ancient Greeks, where they burned away the rest of the animal after the flesh had been and consumed anyway being that he was a sore loser about being tricked and that mankind had just been given an unintentional advantage
1: so pay attention the story goes is that the titans that created man because they wanted to do that as spoils of their labor for fighting the titans with the olympian gods you know hey we helped you we were nice about it give us something to do you know they're calling zeus who was the creator and who was liberating entities from the Titans, um, a loser, and that he was a sore loser. And it was only a team. Did you know how many gods, original Olympian gods there were? Does anybody know that number? It was actually 17. Pretty weird, right? Bizarre.
7: He sought to make sure that never happened again and gave the essence of fire to Hephaestus for safekeeping, since his foundry is one of the only places that it was used on Olympus. As a result, Prometheus had no choice but to steal it from mankind. And by the way, this is also where we get the tradition of carrying the torch at the Olympics, which is another Greek invention. The ceremony is supposed to resemble the titan giving us fire. The more you know, sadly, neither Prometheus nor Mankind got away with this one scot-free. For Prometheus' punishment, he was captured and bound to a stake on Mount Caucasus, which, fun fact, was in a region of the same name and is where the term Caucasian stems from. The Titan was sentenced to an eternity of having an eagle, a sacred symbol of Zeus, feed on his liver throughout the entire day and having it regenerate every night. It sounds fucking terrible, there's no doubt about that, but Mankind's punishment may have been even worse, and that's what we're talking about next.
1: Fun fact, did you know that the liver is the only organ that regenerates in the human body? Just thought I'd throw that out there.
7: So while Prometheus was busy having his liver eaten over and over again, Zeus came up with the perfect plan to bring about the end of paradise for mankind. And that plan was to create the first woman. This is where the story starts to get a bit misogynistic. So I do want to remind you that while I can be a sarcastic ass at times, these are not my opinions or interpretations of the myth it's literally what Hesiod wrote. Now, under Zeus's orders, Ephestus made the first woman out of earth and water. He gave her the voice and strength of humankind and the feminine face and shape of the goddesses. Athena taught the new female needlework. Aphrodite poured grace upon her head and made it so that men would all desire her, and Hermes gave her a shameless mind and deceitful nature. She was then given the name Pandora, which most experts believe means all gifts or all giving, because all of the Olympians provided a gift that would plague men and put it in a jar that she would bring to earth. Note that I I just said jar and not box because contrary to popular belief in the original myth pandora was given a jar or pithos as is often the case with old stories the mix-up is the result of a mistranslation by a guy known as erasmus of rotterdam who translated the story and turned the greek word for jar into the latin word for box and was never corrected it's so
1: actually so let me tell you about that so So Pandora is known as all giving, not all gifts. She had all the gifts, but she had everything to give. Kind of like the food you eat. There's the good parts and the bad parts. Without the good, there is no bad. And without the bad, there is no good. So you need it as a whole. So since mankind was only given the good parts, she had everything in there. And all of it was bad, except for one thing. Now, the pithos or Pyxis actually was a, <laughs> listen to this, an ancient computer. So if you look, um, they have discovered, I think it was just a while ago, maybe within the past decade, a computer that's thousands of years old that looked mechanical, etc. Um, it was actually called a pithos. I just wanted to say that. It was actually called a pithos
7: so crazy to me how little mistakes like that can have such a massive influence over the rhetoric our society uses i don't think i've ever heard someone say the phrase open pandora's jar but i've heard the phrase pandora's box used twice in just the last week and it's not even right another interesting bit is that this jar full of evils and plagues isn't the only one that zeus had according to homer's iliad the god of thunder had two jars that sat in front of his door sill. the second one was filled with blessings instead of sorrows and apparently zeus would selectively sprinkle them on society when he thought we deserved it There's also some versions of the myth that say the jar of blessings is really the one pandora was given but more on that later after pandora was created Hermes delivered her to epimetheus who fell in love as soon as he saw her and married her pretty much immediately this is despite prometheus warning him to never accept a gift from zeus by the way but once again he just wasn't thinking of the repercussions now just a reminder at this point men were still living in total peace free from ills hard labor and disease basically meaning they were immortal Because according to Ovid, those are what bring the fates upon men. For in misery, men grow old quickly. But this paradise wasn't going to last forever because that jar of sorrows the gods made was about to be opened and there's a few versions of how that goes down. In one of them, Pandora is sent to Epimetheus, jar in hand, and under Zeus's orders, she opens it immediately after they get married. But there's many others that present it as a far less malicious act. In the one that people are most familiar with, Zeus gives the jar to Pandora as a wedding present, then tells her not to open it without saying why. But curiosity gets the better of her, and she ends up releasing all of the evils imaginable on the world. And yet another, it's not even her that opens it, but her new husband, Epimetheus. The one detail that each of these versions have in common is that after those evils had been set free, one last thing remained in the jar, and that's hope. And according to Aesop, that is why hope alone—not to be confused with post Malone—is still found among the people, promising that she will bestow on each of us the good things that have gone away. In other words, because hope stayed behind, we humans will always have it, no matter how dire and painful our situation is. there was always the
1: possibility that it gets better. And man, so here's here's um a part of the myth that they always skip over. Yet they're explaining. So hope was not given to the people by Prometheus. Knowledge was, science was, fire was, civilization was, rulers were, right? But not hope. So hope was coupled with all the chaos. Hope was coupled with all the chaos. So understand that. Now here's where things start to get interesting.
7: Mankind really needed that hope because life in the Silver Age would never be the same. Countless plagues can now be found throughout mankind, and according to Hesiod, it's all women's fault. Not just because Pandora opened the jar, but because with the introduction of women, men now had something they desired more than anything, and as a result, something to compete and stress over. Now, this is where it gets kind of awkward, because Hesiod frames the entire female gender as these evil creatures meant to destroy the lives of men through their relationships with them. And while I definitely disagree with him, I do understand the the point he's making because in this context before there were women men had really nothing to do besides gather resources and sacrifice to the gods life was very simple there wasn't this hunger for power that you see in people nowadays because back then there were no mates to compete for and ipso facto nothing to do with that power it wasn't
1: so in other words people didn't need hope because they simply existed they were simply slaves they were working and existing and just existing that's basically what prometheus did he created people to rule other people that were content with it because they didn't have anything to compete for. Now, I urge you to, you know, if you're a history buff, take a look at all the great leaders and great wars. I can assure you that Abraham Lincoln's wife had a lot to do with the wars that he chose. But even Troy, that war was fought over a woman. There's a saying in, um, in Greece, which is quite interesting. If you see a boat nestled in the mountains, a vagina dragged it there. And uh, that is one of the funniest proverbs, right? That if you see a boat nestled in the mountains, a vagina dragged it there. Um, It's crass, but straight to the point and makes a lot of sense. So in this version of history of creation... The woman was made by Zeus, who had liberated other creations of the ultimate creator by eliminating the ability of the titans who had invaded other areas and civilizations. So this, you know, sub creator actually created women to help deliver the men
7: that were created. So the essence of competition was introduced with the beautiful, perfect, amazing creation known as women, the men began to lie, manipulate, and intentionally hurt others because they all wanted to climb to the top of the hierarchy and have access to any mate they wanted. On top of all that, being in a romantic relationship means making yourself vulnerable. And because women were also human and had a very similar nature as men, they would sometimes hurt the ones they committed to, and that was the worst pain of all. You see, it's just describing this phenomenon as if it's a way street which it's not and no point does he say that men can do no wrong but he does neglect to say otherwise honestly it sounds like he wrote this myth immediately after being broken up with he also points out the issue of trying to outsmart zeus and abstain from marrying a woman if you stay single you'll grow old with no one to take care of you and while you may be wealthier when you die your riches will go to your friends and neighbors instead of your family because you don't have one he says there's a small chance of marrying a truly good woman but even then she could deliver mischievous children which will be a constant source of grief Shame and anxiety for as long as you live. So in true Zeus fashion, he delivered the perfect punishment. He created the object of ultimate desire, made men want it more than anything in the world, and then gave it the ability to cause pain like no other. Pain that destroys you slowly from the inside. Anyway, on a lighter note, there's a little more to Pandora's story. After the whole jar full of evils debacle, her and Epimetheus went on to have a daughter and name her Pyra which means fire. I'm assuming that Zeus was not a fan of that name. Now, if you're familiar with the Bible and more specifically the story of Adam and Eve, you probably noticed a few similarities with Eve and Pandora. Namely, that each is the first woman in the world. They both disobey divine law and as a result caused the transition from everyone living on easy street to attending the school of hard knocks. Now, I am nowhere near a religious scholar. So unfortunately, I can't really speak much on the connection between the two stories. But some experts have argued that the spreading of Greek culture may have had some influence. influence on the Christian and Jewish interpretations of scripture. In other words, the misogyny that we see in Hesiod's story may have played a role in the book of Genesis portraying Eve as the destroyer of paradise. And the crazy thing about that is just because Hesiod's version is the one that withstood the test of time, that doesn't mean it was how the majority of ancient Greece thought of the story. In fact, some experts believe that there was another version before Hesiod's where Pandora was actually a generous earth deity. And over time, her role was changed so that instead of giving blessings to humans, possibly from that other jar I mentioned, and earlier, she gave them sorrows. It's just wild to see how these things change over time and the scope of their influence. And one last thing, this isn't totally relevant, but there's one other weird connection that Greek mythology has with the Bible. Hesiod also wrote that Pandora's daughter went on to marry Prometheus' son, Deucalion, and together they built an ark to survive the great flood that Zeus intended to restart humanity. I'll probably do a video on that full myth some other time, but it's clearly connected to Noah's ark somehow, I'm curious to see what I can dig up on it. But on that note, Solo fam, it's time to bring this episode to a close. That was the Pandora myth from beginning to end, and I'm curious to hear what you think. What are your thoughts on the story and how Hesia portrayed women? Do you agree with my analysis of his portrayal, or do you think I'm just making excuses for a guy who was upset that he couldn't get a date? Let me know in the comments down below. And while you're doing that, let me tell you about this week's sponsor.
1: Anyway, so he's pretty good. He's funny, but I have to disagree. And here's where I disagree. Pandora knew exactly what was uh, in the box. She knew that the only way to awaken man that was created was through chaos. Throughout your life, you don't know how good you have it until you lose it. And throughout, let's look at the state of our union as a nation. Now that everything we want has been stripped away, freedom peace unity abundance what we all expected is being taken away we realize what we had the ability to maintain mankind and in and in you you can't endure without a challenge you can't learn and understand god and You as his creation or your purpose in life without challenges. Without sorrow, there's no happiness. Without death, there is no life. It just simply is. And so, as you notice, the one thing about Pandora, her biggest trait was to be able to mimic frequencies and hijack how people felt. Gaining knowledge, ultimate knowledge. Just imagine if you could wake up one morning and know everything. Know what the day is going to bring. Know what tomorrow is going to bring. Know what you're going to eat. Or you can blink and it'll simply exist, right? You wake up and you're like, I want coffee and you blink your eye and there's a nice hot cup of coffee simply in your hand simply in your hand. First day, it's going to be pretty awesome because you've never experienced like that. Second day, it'll be kind of cool. But then what happens? You simply exist. You have no drive to be better. You have no drive for anything. You don't feel empowered, right? So think, Prometheus, when he created man, he created man simply to exist and serve because it was his prize. Epimetheus created the domain where man will live and thrive, but the one thing he did was have a soft spot. He fell in love with compassion and love and questions and felt the urge, he felt the need. Think about it. If Zeus created Pandora, and brought her down to earth and put her right in front of Epimetheus's face. This is all metaphoric. Think about it. He provoked him to want something that he saw was divine, full of compassion and love, full of so much knowledge that everyone craved it. He craved it. Women were supposed to be that. That's what they were. To make men want to be better. Nah, it may have come out as misogynistic the way he said it, but you know, women do do that. For all you men out there, you have to agree. Women do have that. That drive for inspiration, um, drive to be better, drive to compete, drive to be a better person. It's always a woman that takes care of the household and raises the kids, encourages her better half. And that's the way it is not simply to be part of a biodome and simply exist to produce or be harvested like cattle as you were intended so the one thing she did was provide misery and pain and despair to people by not by releasing disease but by teaching man that they don't only have to compete for women but they can compete with other men for more power. And that was how Zeus decided he was going to destroy the hell that Prometheus created by letting his own creations liberate themselves. And the only way one can liberate themselves is through disappointment. So tomorrow's show is going to be focused on disappointment because 2021 will disappoint you. The year is going to start off with one of the biggest, if not this evening, and you will be disappointed, disappointed in the person standing next to you, disappointed in all the people around the world that have bend the knee and lay on the floor and they're eating dirt. You will be disappointed, but it is through that disappointment in those failures that you grow as a person, as a nation, as a race of mankind, right? Um, because for anyone to think that they're simply there to exist, it's, it's a pretty sad life. I'm sure there are many people in such confused positions right now thinking, boy, you know, I mean, if Trump hadn't opened up that box of goodies to let us see the truth, to let us see the evils, if damn Tory would keep her mouth shut, If this person would stop putting out the truth, I had so much bliss and ignorance. I know there's a lot of you out there that think that. And that's it. I'm already disappointed. I could tell you yesterday I sobbed. Um, I feel bad for what's to come. Because I know that there's going to be many of you that will fail to embrace the disappointment fail to embrace the challenges and simply give in because, unfortunately, your brain's primary purpose is to have you serve. That higher processes of thinking that Prometheus gave you is supposed to be the logical thinking, logic, that innate response. Where's the female side, right?, is one of compassion and embracement and unity with your fellow brothers and sisters, of love and of hope. Masculine, feminine. Hmm. I'm not trying to say that men are dumb. Don't get me wrong. They're actually quite brilliant because they use their higher processes more than women. And I'm a woman myself, per se. But um, the higher processes is what enslaves you. And you have to know that you can't enslave a mind that knows itself, that values itself, and most of all, that understands itself. Uh, This is why it's very important to know thyself. And one might say, well, I don't want to. I agree with you. I mean, if I was to, you know, be given the option... If I had the option of getting lost in some, you know, life that could be constructed of bliss over getting to know myself or seeing reality for what it is, I'd probably choose the ignorance bliss, right? But at this point in time, starting tonight, Things are going to be different. You will not be able to unsee what you see. You will not be able to unhear what you hear. And what is to come is how history is written. And no history is written with ink. Ever. So it is very, very important that you stand firm and you pray and remember in that box of chaos and pain, The one thing that was in there that was never given to man, even though it was intended to have man so enlightened, the one thing that was never given to man was hope. And there's hope only when there's faith. Faith in your creator. So you should never, ever, ever, ever give up. You should always dream bold. Your goals should always... You know, aim for the sun so at least you get to the moon. I, uh, I, people that know me know that I've said that many a times. Many, many a times.
0: Sounds like political, presidential talk to me. And I know people have talked to you about whether or not you want to run. Would you, would you ever? Probably
3: not. But I, I do get tired of seeing the country rip. The Why would fall. you not? I just don't think I really have the inclination to do it. I love what I'm doing. I really like it. Also, I, it doesn't
0: pay as well. No,
3: (laughs) but you know, I just probably wouldn't do it, I probably wouldn't, but I do get tired of seeing what's happening with this country, and if it got so bad, I would never want to rule it out totally, because I really am tired of seeing what's happening with this country, how how we're really making other people live like kings, and we're not.
0: Mr. Trump, you've done great things in your life, and I just wonder, how do I, as an average person, begin?
3: Well, first of all, never think of yourself as average. You started off with the wrong question because you're not average. You've got a lot going. I see you're smart. I see you're very beautiful. And you're right against her. Look how beautiful she is. But, you know, I don't see her. You have to tell yourself that. You just have to get that word average out of your vocabulary. And you have to tell yourself that you're great. And you have to believe it. If you can say it and don't believe it, it doesn't matter. So, just go out there and work
0: hard. You said, though, that if you did run for president, you believe you'd win.
3: Well, yeah, I don't know. I think I'd win. I tell you what, I wouldn't go in to lose. I've never gone into losing in my life. <laughs> and, and if I did decide to do it, I think I'd be inclined. I, w- I would say that I would have a hell of a chance of winning because I think people, I don't know how your audience was, but I think people are tired of seeing the United States ripped off. I can't promise you everything, but I can tell you one thing this country would make one hell of a lot of money. And those people that for 25 years have taken advantage. It wouldn't be the way it's been. Believe me. Thanks to you. We'll have a president of the United States who will make appointments to the highest court in the land that will uphold the sanctity of life, our Second Amendment, and all the God-given liberties enshrined in the Constitution of the United States. Thanks to you. With your votes, the great citizens of this country declare to the world that from now on, it's going to be America first. America first. The script is not yet written. We do not know what the page will read tomorrow. But for the first time in a long time, what we do know is that the pages will be authored by each and every one of you. You, the incredible American people, will be in charge. Your voice Your desires, your hopes, your aspirations will never again fall on deaf ears. The forgotten men and women, by the way, they're not so forgotten anymore, are they? There is nothing we cannot do. No task is too great. No dream too large. No goal beyond our reach. My message tonight is for all Americans, from all parties, all beliefs, all races, all walks of life whether you are african-american hispanic american asian american we are all americans and we are all united by one shared destiny so i'm asking everyone to join this incredible movement i'm asking you to dream big again dream big and bold and daring for your families for yourself for your country big and bold and daring I'm asking you to believe in yourself, and I'm asking you to believe once again in America. Your voice, your hopes, and your dreams will define our American destiny. And your courage and goodness and love will forever guide us along the way. Together, we will make America strong again. We will make America wealthy again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And yes, together we will make America great again. Thank you. God bless you and God bless America. Trump, he solemnly swear that I will faithfully execute. The office of President of the United States and will, for the best of my ability, preserve, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States. So help me God.
1: So don't mistake disappointment for defeat. This is where heroes rise, and each one of you are that. You have taken control of your nation. And as they've been telling you that you are the underdog, it is them that is the underdog. This year of 2021 will be the year of disappointment, not because you will fail, but because you will prevail. And I want you to see disappointment stared in the face and understand that disappointment is what brings change and what allows you to take the reins of your life, your nation's life, your community's life into your own hands. This is where they know that nothing can stop what's coming. Because for the past five years, the American people have been undergoing an awakening to understand and embrace their failures. You have failed to take control of your nation. You have failed to hold those accountable for the actions that they have done against you. You have failed to do many things. And now is where you're like, disappointment, that's what's up. I eat that shit for lunch. That's what's happening. And as you can see, so many few voices are being, you know, heard breaking through that fabric that the mainstream media, the global mainstream media, it's not just ours. It is global. Remember. They get over seven hundred billions of our dollars, while we get hundred and fifty billion. This is it. You've been preparing. This has been your jujitsu classes, your you know gun classes, your strategy classes, your war game classes. At the end of the day, it's not learning how to hold the gun, how to squeeze the trigger, or load the bullets. It's to understand what that bullet does to understand how it works. Each and every one of you are a bullet against evil. And this is it. He's been telling you that, that it's you that are taking back your country. And it begins today. And again, disappointment. You got to embrace it. You got to be disappointed in yourself for digging your head in the sand. You have to be disappointed in yourself for believing that something that can be destroyed with 10 birds, a wing of a Boeing jet, a 747 will break in the middle of flight with a flock of birds. But you sat there and you let it cut like butter. People dove off floors and died. Things were destroyed and you bend the knee. You forfeited your rights. Admit it to yourself. Be disappointed in yourself. And that's fine. Because it's through disappointment that you realize what happened, how it happened, and why it happened. And that was because you weren't paying attention. And, you know, there's a lot of things that people don't want to talk about. There's a lot of things the Senate and Congress know that they can't tell you. The president He can't tell you because we can't tell you. You have to see it yourself. And slowly but surely, a lot of it is trickling out and the world is becoming bigger than you thought. The war is larger than you believed. And you're understanding that the war has been won. What you are seeing is battles, death rattles. I mean, Prometheus gave fire, right? But he didn't give the people hope, to discern. So think of a human, right, empowered with all those things that Prometheus gave them, that would embrace everything that came out of the box that Pandora let open. If you embrace all the evil and say it exists and you acknowledge it, if you embrace all the failures, all the famine, all the disease that is inflicted by yourself, There is no excuse that we are giving $700 billion to other nations and we've got people starving. There is no excuse that we throw away tons of food a day and there are people starving. There is no excuse. We're giving millions of dollars to Pakistan for gender studies when there's people that don't have water. When there's people right now in the salt islands of Korea as slaves. Not North Korea, this is South Korea. Slaves that are living in houses in Haiti. (laughs) Slaves. And then yet all of us are going to say, oh, it's their fault, it's their fault. It is our fault. It is your fault. And it's work. Think about it. Look how lazy we've become. Back in the days, when you'd wake up in the morning, you'd have to go hunting. You'd have to go to the berry bushes and collect your food, and you might get eaten by a lion while you're doing it. You actually work to survive. None of us work anymore. We serve. None of us work. And the only way you redeem yourself, right, for all the failures, every single day, you as a person is a failure. Think about how lazy we are. Oh, no, no, it's just convenient. We have technology now. (laughs) Okay. I could tell you there's been days where I've done 500 steps. How many of you can admit to that? Lots of you. We used to have to work. We took pride in our work. Not just handiwork with our hands, but communication and socialization. Pride in our community. Like when your neighbor would plant a tree, you would run out and say, oh my gosh, that's such a cool tree. Or your neighbor, you know, mile down was like, yo, I got apples and everyone would gather and everybody would get apples and they would all make shit together. It was different. People would go out in groups and said, yo, we got to go get dinner for everybody in the, in our community. Let's go hunting. And it's like, yep, yeah, that's what's up. Now we go to the supermarket and we don't even know what we're eating. <laughs> now we have impossible meat. Disappointment is such an amazing thing to endure when you're disappointed. It means you acknowledge that something failed. Don't ever take that. Never, ever let anyone give you the spell of a word and tell you what it's supposed to mean. Remember definitions. You're disappointed. You should be. And what should that do? That's acknowledging the problem that we have. So on December, well, let's just leave that. January 6th, 2021. It is going to be a day that will be remembered. And I can tell you as a time traveler myself, it will be talked about just like that day of redemption on the hill where a man was crucified. Not to say that it's, you know, the same thing, but it's biblical. What's going to happen is biblical. So biblical that the the nuns even said, don't go. I want to be there. No one should terrorize anyone. Fear, we eat it for lunch. Chaos, we eat it for lunch. And we show up. That, hey, we're embracing it all. We're not just taking what you're telling us. We're taking the stuff we weren't supposed to have because they make us sad. And it's only through that, through disappointment, through rage, through understanding greed, that we grow. And we need to be there in numbers to show the world exactly what it means to be free. That eagle isn't, you know, a random bird. (laughs) You'll see it in every great ancient culture, even the one that built a wall from space. It's quite interesting when you take a look at it like that. Patriot's Day. Patriot's Day. It's going to be a huge day. And the one thing that I would say is, as this year goes out, this year that was a historian's wet dream, (laughs) which, you know what, is what, 2.15 Eastern time, right? There's There's still a few hours left in this day. I mean, whatever. Aliens can come, too. I mean, if you think they have to come, that they're not already here, you know, then that's it. I mean, that would be like the cherry on top. This has happened so many times if you look at your history books. The past proves the future, and like President Trump said, every page is written every day. So hopefully today your page is writing yep i'm I'm good with disappointment, I like it, I'm game, and I could do anything I want because guess what? I'm an American, and I'm in control of my nation, and I say what goes, not those few that sit on their thrones. So, sorry about not having a show yesterday. I could not have it done. There were some logistics um, happening. You know, say it to yourself. You're valiant. All of you are. And um, the more you see it, the more you'll understand it. Your numbers are not just what's going to be seen tomorrow, but your voices oh, will be heard. January 1st, 2021, 1-1-21, right? Mm. And then you will be seen on the 6th. So it's uh, quite exciting times because everyone's dusting off that dust from their knees, right? That you've been on willingly. Remember, nobody can enslave you, right? If you know yourself, if you value yourself, and I know a lot of us have problems with that, but, That's how terrorism works. And if you look at all terrorism, all terroristic acts, jihad, look behind jihad, who funded it? Look behind who funded it. Then you understand exactly what's going on. You know, when Pandora opened up that box, she wanted to close it back in. She weeped, she cried, she begged, saying, no, 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 I didn't want to. Oh no, it's really bad. But in the end, it was necessary because it was only through that that man would wake up and embrace what they couldn't see. They were living an illusion of just existing. (laughs) Haven't we been living an illusion? All these wars, rah, we're going to go kick some commie ass. But in essence, we were taking down nations one by one to bring the final blow with Hillary in 2016 that failed. This is why all the nations are looking to us. This is why the Chinese are looking to us. This is why the Europeans are looking to us. It's almost as if all the citizens, I want you to picture it, are on their knees globally right now, right, with their rulers in line, on the ground, and they're all looking out from the side of their eyes saying, yo, America, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, man? Do something. Give us a signal. Give us a signal. Speaking of signals. so. There are a few things that um, come to mind. Uh, You know, how, what do we call them? Signs, right? And the OSS is alive and strong, just so you know. So many a times I'm told, well, you'll know when, Tori. You'll know when, Tori. So yesterday, out of the blue, I opened up an envelope and inside, was a card, pristine, almost as if a time capsule was opened and sent to me. It was the most incredible thing ever. It was sent in 1959, signed and dated. I was thinking, if this was somebody's, this is priceless, And then I thought to myself, why would I get something so incredible today out of all days when the question that I asked was like, damn, how does this go? Now in 1959, then Senator John Kennedy had said that disappointment is what fueled him. Disappointment is what made him want to run. And um, I'll put a video of it um, on Twitter. It was so incredible. I mean, I have a piece of history that is so pristine. You won't even, like you would think it was done yesterday. It was so incredible because the thought that I had in my mind yesterday was, disappointment. And that's probably not only because of the state of our union, the state of the world as a whole, but even in my own personal sphere, I had a lot of disappointment, disappointed in the system, disappointed in people. You know, I saw many of you looked up Danny Fuller, right? He was my witness. That boy had a horrific life. And you know, no one talks about him. I mean, the FBI investigation is still open. But that boy was executed, point blank, to the base of the head. Made it clear. I've said it. Nobody wants to touch it. Why doesn't anybody want to touch that? It's incredible. Disappointed. Disappointed in the people. Disappointed in the system disappointed in the people that I've been fighting for that don't even know I was fighting for them. So it's not their fault. But even if they did, it's like feeding a homeless person and then saying, look, I just bet him. It's, it's, it's low. It's, it's, you shouldn't be doing things like that. But disappointment was my, my view yesterday. I was so overwhelmed with disappointment. And then when I got this card from Senator John F. Kennedy uh, that was so pristine I remembered how he talked about his ambition being driven by disappointment, and it was so incredible that it came at that time so um, right after um, I uh, let you guys go i'll um videotape uh, the um, the actual card itself, so you can see just how incredible. And immaculate it is. I mean, it's priceless. I'm personally going to go out and get a a frame today uh, to place it in. I mean, I can't wait to to show it to you guys. It's it's you know, the ink fountain pen ink used. It is just mesmerizing, and it was at the right time because many, 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 many of us. believe that um life is full of lies which it is but we should embrace them full of disappointment we should embrace it because it's through there that you get that sign so hopefully you guys can take a look at uh, a little bit of um history and myths and fables and what's really going on in society to understand in what direction we're going faith is key and without you know faith there is no hope they go hand in hand so we all know people are strange so I'm going to leave you with that people are strange
6: people are strange when you're a stranger, faces look ugly When you're alone, women seem wicked When you're unwanted, streets are uneven. When you do, when you're strange Faces come out of the rain When you're strange, no one remembers your name